Rink Wide Vancouver. Pre-game, post-game, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds. The free casino games make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you once again. Another edition of the post-game show as the Canucks fall 5-4 in overtime to a desperate Calgary Flames team, J-Pat. But we know what the story is here. It's the officiating, the Pedersen penalty that led to the game-tying goal which was an absolutely brutal call, but one that uh, gave the Calgary Flames well, at least another day to live. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going there with you. Uh, it was a story. I don't know if it was the story. Uh, it was a hell of a hockey game, as it turned out. Uh, just an awful lot going on in that, what was it, seven-minute sequence in the second period. Uh, it was incredible. Like, you couldn't catch your breath. There was just, like, goal after goal and penalty shot in there as well. And the overtime period was something else as well, and it uh, only lasted three and a half minutes, but uh, still some quality scoring chances at both ends. But you're right, it probably doesn't go to overtime if the Flames don't score on the power play. And that was one of the stories of this hockey game. They had three power plays in the first period. I thought their first one looked dangerous, and then they had the four-minute power play when Beauvillier got called for the high stick on Blake Coleman, and they did nothing. Nothing. Nothing with it. And I thought, man, like, is that going to come back to bite them? And as the night progressed, I mean, they went 0 for 5 on the power play. And we know the Canucks penalty kill has been better, but it still is the Canucks penalty kill. And ultimately, the sixth time was the charm. And that was with the Elias Pedersen in the penalty box, as you said, for, well, it was called a high stick, but... Uh, and, it wasn't. And, <laughs> and to see the lines, the linesman made the call, too, which... You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'd have to go back through the rule book. I thought linesmen could step in on major penalties, but uh, that late in the game, a one-goal game, and Elias Pettersson, who has taken almost no penalties, uh, just his 12th minutes in penalties, or 11th and 12th minutes in penalties, and the last couple were puck over the glass. So, you know, he doesn't take many and has become one of the Canucks' better penalty killers, and he's sitting uh, in the penalty box, can't do a whole lot with it. I guess that was their fifth power play, Calgary's, because then Kyle Burroughs with the puck over the glass yeah. on the forehand, too. Like, yeah. late in the game, you see guys on the backhand sometimes, puck just gets away from them, but on the forehand where you generally can control it. Uh, so, yeah, Elias Pedersen sitting in the box, and Flames got the good bounce off the end boards, and Jonathan Huberdeau, the same Jonathan Huberdeau that missed a penalty shot earlier in the hockey game. Can you imagine if the Flames had lost by one? They would have been ready to run him. I think that people are already ready to run him out of town with, you know, not even close to half the points that he had last year. I guess the season's not done. He might get to half of his 115, but uh, misses the penalty shot, although Troy Stetcher scored a few minutes later and tied the game. So ultimately, the penalty shot kind of is a push at that point. But Huberto off the end boards just sneaks it past Thatcher Demko on the power play with uh, three minutes and 13 seconds to go. And then the Canucks were able to kill off the Kyle Burroughs penalty and uh, overtime, back and forth. Lindholm had a great chance early. Kuzmenko weaved his way to the net, had a pretty good chance. Besser down the right side. Uh, he got a good look. And then Dakota Joshua on the doorstep. And, you know, that's overtime, right? You play for a great A, you better capitalize. And if you don't, pretty good chance the other guys are going to go the other way. And what a night for Tyler Toffoli. We talked about him a lot on the YouTube pregame show. Uh, he's just a really good player, and Canuck fans saw that firsthand. They've seen it in other uniforms, and this guy had a monster night. Two goals on six shots, 11-shot attempts, and a very manageable 19 minutes and 42 seconds of ice time, including shifts in overtime. So one of the storylines we'll get into, another night goes by, and the Canucks just lean so heavily on their top-end guys, 
And a player like Tyler Toffoli can be the difference maker playing under 20 minutes down the stretch with the you know, the playoffs are hanging in the balance. They saw Winnipeg win big at home against Detroit earlier in the night. The Flames knew what they had to do, and with three and a half minutes to go, it wasn't looking good. So credit to the Calgary Flames. I mean, they absolutely dominated on the shot clock. And yeah, there's probably some lessons in here for Rick Tockett and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, they were a little loose and sloppy in St. Louis. Uh, you know, it, there were things that they did well in this hockey game, but ultimately, uh, you get a lead. You want to find a way to see it through, and they they couldn't do it. But I give credit to the Calgary Flames. Uh, did what they had to do. Didn't matter if it was overtime for them. They just needed to leave town with two points. And you know, we'll see if next time they're back here in just over a week's time. You know, what are the implications there? What's at stake? And will the Calgary Flames have to beat the Vancouver Canucks a second time at Rogers Arena to keep their playoff hopes alive? Last time I make this joke, the Canucks are trying to find a player like Toffoli. All right, that's it. No more. I'm not ever allowed to do that joke. I've done it many times. No, but if you do track it back, like if they had, of the guys that walked away on that Thanksgiving weekend after the bubble and everything else, uh, that was the one because, you know, he ended up signing in Montreal at a price that they ended up, they were paying Brandon Sutter more yeah. than they were than Tyler Toffoli signed for in Montreal, and then they went and they had to make the trade with Arizona to get basically a replacement for Tyler Toffoli, and that was Connor Garland. And all Toffoli has done is continue to rack up goals Gee, everywhere that, he I'm goes. I'm starting to think that the previous management team wasn't very good at their job. I don't. Well, know. I, just... I mean, there's enough in that Arizona deal for ten podcasts, but <laughs> part of the trickle down was it happened because. They felt they needed a scoring winger, and they had one right there in their pocket who wanted to be here and had fit in nicely in the bubble. But that's water under the bridge. The Flames are happy to have him, and if he has a few more games like this, they may just sneak into the postseason. Yeah, a couple of X's uh, taking it out on the Canucks <laughs> in Stetcher and Toffoli tonight. Stetcher getting his 100th career point, a goal and an assist in the game. And then, of course, Toffoli with those two, uh, including the game winner. But um, Probably a good thing Tanev didn't play. Uh, there you go. Yes, exactly. And, and honestly, even though the shot total wasn't all that flattering for, for Jacob Markstrom, when you consider the amount of goals that got behind him, but when he needed to be big in that play and right in the overtime there, right on the doorstep, Dakota Joshua with two whacks at it, by the way, uh, wasn't able to get it by Jacob Markstrom. But it's interesting, though, because we've sort of tracked this when it comes to overtime, the deployment, and you saw PDG and Dakota Joshua, both in the offensive zone, getting an offensive uh, face-off there. And honestly, I think the fact that they don't play a lot of three-on-three hockey kind of burned them there because watch PDG on the final play. He chases when he probably should have reverted back to help out uh, Hughes. And then, of course, it creates that odd man because Joshua is 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 trapped at that point, right? So interesting it, deployment. But at the it, same it time, is, too, like... But it, let me, it, just, it, it cuts both ways because... And Rick Tocca was asked point blank about that after the game and said, my top guys were tired. Yeah. And no surprise. Uh, again, he has no, so he's been giving these guys opportunity. Like, I'm all for it right now. This is the time to do these sort of things. Right. But, right? but, but I'm in, just saying. In the same breath, Tockett said, they were tired, my top end guys. Yeah. Yeah. He said, but I'd also be a hero if Dakota Joshua. Imagine like, yeah, the, yeah. the narrative in this town. If Dakota yeah. Joshua scores an overtime winner, yeah. he was out with the goalie pulled to force overtime the other night. He's getting all sorts of opportunities. If they score there, and talking even left, he said, like, I'm a hero. And he's not wrong. <laughs> nah. But that's the fine line in overtime is you play for that grade A opportunity. And Dakota Joshua, you're, he, said he had a couple of whacks at it. Jacob Markstrom, his job is to make that 
last save of the night, and he did. And then Toffoli goes the other way. And it's funny, on a night where there were nine goals scored, you'd think, all right, maybe not a great night for the goaltending, but we talked about Demko stares down Huberto on the penalty shot, and that glove hand save off Backlund in the second period is going to go on Demko's career highlight reel. Like, that was... That's about as good as we've seen from Thatcher Demko and just an you know, isolated save. Uh, and I thought, man, like that's going to be – maybe that'll be a big moment in this hockey game as it turned out. There were lots of goals. Sure. So it didn't ultimately you know, turn the tide or you know, leave the flames shaking their head. Are we ever going to beat Demko? But, yeah, I mean, Markstrom can point to his play in overtime and Demko earlier in the hockey game. Uh, so it's kind of funny. On a night that there were goals going in all over the place – uh, there were still some saves that you can point to. You know what's funny, too? I thought the Flames had numerous high-danger chances that they either whiffed or missed the net on. They had a bunch of like slot chances and then whoop, right by the, the <laughs> net. So it's interesting on the Flames' part, but you can see like they're squeezing their sticks right now. Big time. Like this team is, they're desperate and they're able to get it uh, through the finishing line tonight. But again, they had a little bit of help. And I'll go right back to what I said off the top here. Yeah, maybe... Listen, the fans think it's the big story right now because every one of these game and hashtags and and as JPATs we're getting that we'll get to a little bit later here on the pod are all yelling at the officiating. It was a shitty call. It was. And, you know, it was one of those ones that the stick rode up. It was his own player, uh, Walker Dewar, doing it essentially to himself. Yep. The, the, the thing I found to be kind of rich was afterwards he starts going after Pedersen <laughs> when it was he did it to himself. Well, um We've had other instances like this one, but again, in the time that it takes Elias Pettersson to take a seat in the penalty box, the war room in Toronto could have watched sure. that video yeah. and just rang down and said, nope. Yeah. Well, you know what, actually then, yeah, let's just get, there was an Ask J Pad about that, you know, just wondering when it was from Tyrone, uh, I'll, I'll paraphrase it, but basically when, when are we going to get to the point where they can review it? Because they really should, like it, it should be a, a coach's review at this point. Well, no, I'm not even sure it needs to be a coach's challenge. Like, I just think the referees in the war room in Toronto, I, I just want it right. And yeah, so, sure. like, whether it's the final five minutes, like, is it, you know, in the NFL, I think it's the final two minutes, the, the league just automatically reviews plays. And and I, I think that, you know, people would say, oh, these games are long enough, more delays. I'm like, no, I just want it right. And I do think by the time you get the guy to the penalty box and drop the puck, war room easily could have rolled the tape back and, and had a look and, and seen that in that instance – uh, it was the own player's stick that uh, was the the true offender. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately the Canucks get hosed. I suppose Calgary still had to score on the power play, and they and they did. Uh, and look, for a lot of people, this is you know better than the Canucks getting the full two points. They have to settle for a single. So while some might be outraged, there's probably a number in Canucks Nation that are like, eh. All right, on to the next one. Bring on Los Angeles on Sunday, and we'll see what happens there. You've heard me say before on Rinkwide that, you know, I think overtime, the Canucks have more game breakers than a lot of teams, and overtime has been pretty friendly to the Canucks, and their top guys have stepped up. And, you know, prior to St. Louis the other night, they were 7-3 and three in games that were decided in the overtime period, not talking about the shootout record tacked on, but just in 3-on-3 three three overtime, the Canucks were 7-3. and three. Lost the other night to the Blues, lose this one. So now seven and five in overtime. And one of the stories coming into this game, and one of the stories all season has been how many single points the Flames have squandered and left on the table. And they needed the bonus point tonight. So uh, a team that hasn't been very good in overtime, 
uh, found a way to get it done to Foley with the second of the night, 33rd of the season. Backlund and Weger get the assist, 327, and that was it. Uh, that was ball game for the Calgary Flames. And as we said, they you know they have to take their two points, and they live to play another day. Winnipeg had already won, so they knew that. And the Jets and the Flames go at it midweek coming up. That's yeah. going to be monumental. Yeah. And then, of course, the Flames are back here in Vancouver for the Canucks' season, home season finale uh, next Saturday night. And again, we'll see if Calgary has done enough uh, over the next week to stay within an arm's reach, or maybe they overtake the Winnipeg Jets. Who knows? But uh, it'll be interesting to see where these teams stand uh, when the Flames are back to close out uh, the Canucks' home season. Can I just mention as well, and I talked about Toffoli's night in totality, but the overtime winner obviously is the dagger. But his first goal was massive, I thought. Elias Pettersson scores on the power to play to make it 2 nothing early in the second period. This is a Calgary team that knows Winnipeg's won. Jets have surged four points in front at that point. And now Calgary on the road, down 2 nothing here in Vancouver. Like, that's living on the knife's edge. And if Toffoli doesn't score and the Canucks get... If the Canucks get a 3 nothing lead, sorry, Calgary doesn't score enough. Generally, it's probably they're probably not coming back in the hockey game. And so, uh, of course, it's Tyler Toffoli who gets the ball rolling for it. You know, he's their only 30-goal scorer and has extended his lead uh, on the team in terms of goals now up to 33 on the season. So I just thought that was a big goal. Uh, and then, obviously, Coleman tied it. Uh, and then that started that run of, like, he just couldn't look away for a second or you're going to miss something. And, you know, we get this deep into the pod, we should take a second and just salute Aiden McDonough. It's just such a cool moment. I, to see guys score their first goals in the National Hockey League, his first home game, uh, and what a shift. Like That was probably Jack Stunica's best shift as a Canuck. It might be his best shift in, in the NHL. I didn't see all of his shifts in Boston, but uh, he looked like a, a dog on a bone there and just wasn't going to take no for an answer, and Sheldon Dries obviously gets an assist. But uh, just a great sequence to see McDonough score, and then his childhood friend Jack Rothbone is the first guy to congratulate him. He just happens to be out there on the ice. So what a great memory that was. Kyle Burrows, a good teammate, scoops up the puck. Want to make sure that you get the souvenir there. And you kind of thought that was a big goal for the Canucks because the Flames had tied it, wrestled the momentum away. And then the Canucks go back in front 3-2. to two, And then moments after that was the Huberto penalty shot. So, again, lots going on in that moment. But that was just a really good shift uh, Studnika and Dries yeah. working the puck to the front of the net and Aiden McDonough there. He had that chance in Chicago that kind of looked similar, didn't convert, but this time uh, I'm sure his eyes just lit up when he saw that puck rolling to him and able to put it past Jacob Markstrom. It's like day one of of, of your ho- your first hockey practice, keep your stick on the ice. Right? That's what <laughs> yeah. they say to you. And McDonough, of course, had a stick. He actually acknowledged that post game. said that those chances in, Cal- in Chicago – uh, he probably could have buried if he was just a little bit lower on his stick and, you know, keeping himself ready for that puck. And he was ready for it in a great play. You're right. Studnika, Studnika and Dries, just a good, hardworking shift there. And honestly, one of those goals, too, is for your first NHL goal, that's a, that's a decent one to yeah. score. And I think we're probably going to see a bunch of those from Aiden McDonough because he, he did. He said that post game. He said, that's my game. Like, I like to go to the net. And if you're a Canucks fan, you love hearing that right now because they do. They need some bigger guys, the guys that can, you know, disrupt in front of the net. They need more of that right now. So uh, definitely good to see Aiden McDonough uh, open his account in the NHL. But not only that, I, I thought uh, we were going to give 50 Bodog bucks to somebody for that one because I thought that was going to stand up as the game winner at one point. Uh-huh. Uh, but of course it didn't. And Toffoli ended up uh, being the one that uh, did that. It's interesting too, this stat. 
First time all season, the Flames have come back after being down after 40 minutes. The first time this season. And they have to know that. Whether they chart it, I'm sure they get asked about it an awful lot. So, you know, you go to the third period and you're down, and then you get to the final five minutes and you're still down, and you're thinking, like, hey, just not our night because, you know, these things just don't happen to us. And and then they got the power play, as we said, and and made the most of it. um, yeah. So yes, it, it probably felt like law of averages. Eventually, they were going to get one of these, and again, man, did they need it? Uh, and they got the job done. I, I just want to mention as well uh, because these are the types of things I chart as uh, I follow this Vancouver Hockey Club. Uh, and full credit, Sheldon Dries made a nice play to Aiden McDonough. That was Sheldon Dries' first assist since February fifteenth, the home game against the New York Rangers, and just his second helper. Yeah. Since December the 1st. Just six on the season now, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that just shows you right there. Like, as much as we like what Sheldon Dries has done this year, there is a hole at 3C. We know that. They got to fill that. It's going to be a big part of their offseason. I mean, you like the goal total, but yeah, you want to see a little more. Hang on a sec. Is that is that Neil Zaman's music I'm hearing? Oh! Though? <laughs> we're going there, are we? Hey, listen, beautiful oh, feed my- there on on the on the on the give to uh, Bovillier, and you know he's had a few. They, they talked about it on the broadcast. Shorty brought it up, just saying, you know, Nilsamon's got some nice hands on him, and he's had some beautiful assists this year, and that was a beauty to Bovillier. He he has, and and I want to give the guy full credit because uh, I was the first to point out, you know, how stagnant he had gone uh, when they sent him down to Abbotsford, and some people didn't fully understand why they made the move and. You know, we've we've discussed it, but in those final 15 games, basically in the month of December, like there was just nothing happening for for Neil Zaman, and, and generally it was Dakota Joshua that was out there with them. And at that point, they very much were a fourth line. Uh, you know, whether it was Curtis Lazar or whoever was their winger, they were getting scored on, but they certainly weren't scoring. And he has looked absolutely every bit the part of a legitimate National Hockey League since the recall. And I think of that shorthanded goal with JT Miller uh, a couple of weeks back, yep. sort of similar in the give and go and, uh, you know, just showed some patience and some poise there. And this time it was Bavillier and talk about a guy that needed a goal, uh, Anthony Bavillier, ever since getting dropped off Phileas Pedersen's line. You know, he's just kind of looked like a hockey player and uh, hasn't been nearly as productive as he was with PD. And that makes perfect sense. But uh, a guy that had gone ice cold. And so, again, that looked like a massive goal because the Flames had tied it at three, and 14 seconds later, the Canucks surge in front again, and Calgary could seemingly never get that next goal, but ultimately, Bovillier's goal was it for the offense for the Vancouver Canucks, and then the Flames get uh, the final two of the night, and they win it 5-4. to four. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a night where, you know, even though the Canucks score four, it wasn't leaning on one guy. They spread the offense around. I think uh, 10 different players had a single point. Elias Pedersen scores his goal, so he extends his point streak to 14 now, and now knocking on the door of franchise yep. history for the longest point streak. It's up to 20 points on that uh, 14 gamer, and you know that's the PD one timer that uh, we just haven't seen an awful lot of. Oh, we've seen him attempt it, but we just haven't seen him hit the pay dirt the way that he did there. Uh, another power play goal for him is 36 of the year, just 36 seconds into that second period, and again looked like a big goal, taking the lead from one nothing to two nothing, but. Yeah, not a banner night, I didn't think, for Elias Pettersson. Uh, you know, he ends up with five shots on goal and nine attempts. So, I mean, he had the puck on his stick a bunch um, and played a lot. 22 minutes and 51 seconds. And I, I get that there was some overtime, but keep in mind that 
He served part of a penalty as well and still came close to 23 minutes on the night. Quinn Hughes up over 30 at 30-16. And I was going to say, now do Quinn Hughes. JT Miller at 22-42. So, you know, it's all this talk from, from Rick Tockett about uh, backing off those guys. Now with seven games remaining, I just don't see... I just don't see it changing. I think uh, you're going to be in for a steady diet of uh, those Canucks top end guys uh, until they hit the finish line. Cheech brought it up on the on the broadcast: the whether you know teams should choose if they want to have the penalty shot right. or the two minutes. And I know we batted that around on a past podcast. When it comes to Thatcher Demko, you're you want those two minutes? Screw that! I don't want this guy's four for four in his career now. Two for two. What is that? That's two in the last two weeks. Is it? Was it Kempe in in L.A. that he stopped uh, on the on the penalty shot there? Like again, like and stop both Kings on the shootout attempts as well. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious. I I I don't think they're going to make a rule change anytime soon. But (laughs) I'll tell you what: if you are facing Thatcher Demko, you're thinking long and hard there because man, is he a rock when it comes to those? Yeah, and Huberdo, I didn't think made a great move. He got uh, him down, but then he just buried himself because he was too deep at that point. But he we've seen that. JT Miller sort of use that slow roll uh, and, and effectively. Uh, and so it was sort of a similar move, shade to the left and then cut across the slot. And I think you're looking to see if you can see a little bit of daylight to the far side, like under the glove hand. And then if that's not there, then you pull it across your body and, and try to you know beat the goaltender with the backhand. But uh, yeah, way too deep for that at that point. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, it wasn't a great attempt. And you know, if you score that goal, that's probably a big momentum boost if you're the Calgary Flames because penalty shots just I don't know. There seems to kind of be a little extra gravity when you you score on a penalty shot. Uh, but I think when you miss, it's the same thing. But they weren't deflated, and a few minutes later, uh, there was Troy from Richmond. Uh, and that had to feel good for him. He already yeah, had an well, yeah. assist that was his 100th point, but uh, to beat Thatcher Demko glove side to tie the game at 3-3, and you could see the celebration. I mean, Thatcher doesn't score a lot of goals, just his second of the season. Uh, and even when he was a Canuck, he didn't score a lot of goals, but when he did, there was usually a pretty good celly involved. And uh, so, yeah, and I know after the game, he talked about the fact that uh, he had some family and friends uh, in attendance. So that'll never get old for him. Doesn't matter what uniform he is in, Detroit, Arizona, now Calgary. Uh, to score a goal and what looked like a big goal at the time in Vancouver against the Canucks. Uh, you know, that put a little extra smile on his face, but uh, it didn't last long because just 14 seconds later, that was a brutal pinch from Noah Hannafin. Cool. Uh, you know, that that looked like things that we saw from the Vancouver Canucks an awful lot in the first half of the season. Like, he just barged in on the left side and got absolutely buried, and and then the Canucks were off to the races, and that was the Amon to, to Beauvillier goal. So, uh, you know, I'm a little surprised at this stage of the season and a player that means as much to the Calgary Flames that, you know, you got to know when to go. And that was the wrong time, obviously, and it, it blew up in, in Hannafin's face. Before we dip into the dressing room, let's just do an update on the Beauvillier versus Bo Horvat. You are now up 8-6, which is really remarkable when you think about it. More on Horvat's end. Because he's just gone so cold uh, since he's been traded. But 8-6 is your total now, Beauvillier versus Bo Horvat in terms of yeah. goals scored. And you just wonder, like, I mean, it's a two-goal deficit for Bo Horvat. We've seen him have lots of two-goal games, but... With the Islanders? <laughs> not with the Islanders, yeah. but but also the Islanders are, you know, they're just running out of daylight. That They have played 76 games, so they only right. have... Um, yeah, they've only got the six games remaining. So there was time for for Bo Horvat to get a couple and 
you know, who knows if they have a one goal lead. He's the kind of guy that's out there late in the game, empty netters. They all count, but uh, yes, it's a deficit. There's no doubt. And hey, speaking of guys that uh, you know haven't scored an awful lot, but uh, let's give them credit. That's a hell of a play by Connor Garland to open the scoring in this hockey game. Uh, not such a great play by Michael Backlund, obviously, but uh, Connor Garland read that play, pokes the puck, and you know off to the races. And but you know, breakaway's a breakaway. You're facing Jacob Markstrom and uh, picked his spot, and you know he did what Jonathan Huberto couldn't do at the same end of the ice. In fact, uh, I just thought all around just a really nice play and nice finish by Connor Garland. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience, whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. Required Vancouver is presented by Bodog Sports Odds, Poker Tips, and Free Casino Games. Make a play today. Let's make a run into the dressing room. Hear from the head coach on how he felt about the game, but he also was asked about the Elias Pettersson call. Yeah, I mean, we battled. It was, uh, yeah, you know, it's tough. Six power, they had six power plays. We couldn't handle their forecheck. Uh, I thought they were, they were dumping up a lot of pucks. And we, you know, we tried to have a game plan. I thought a couple of guys didn't execute we wanted on that heavy four check, but we battled back though. Give credit. You know, it's a lot of 12 minutes of power play or minutes is tough. And then some guys sit the bench. So the flow of the game kind of sucked. What was your explanation you got on the Patterson high stick? I, uh, I don't know. I haven't still got one. I, I, I'm trying to, I, I got to figure that one out. I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to, we're going to hear from talking in just a moment. Cause he's kind of asked to expand on that a little bit, but yeah, those power plays definitely were tough for, for the Canucks. And, and that's tough too. When you're trying to run a bench, right. Trying to get guys into the groove, trying to, you know, got guys getting cold by sitting there for so long, but one for six for Calgary, like that is not great. And obviously it's great for the Canucks PK in terms of, you know, trying to inflate that number a little bit, but like, if you're Calgary, like you've just got all sorts of offensive problems right now. Yeah, and look, I don't think of the Canucks being a careless hockey club, but Bovillier gets the double minor for high sticking, PDG with the high stick, and then Patterson with uh, yeah, the questionable one. The high stick, but uh, still, you know, the Flames took two penalties, and one of them was a too many men on the ice uh, call, but Patterson did make uh, Mangiapane pay for his hooking penalty, but, you know, pretty good discipline, I thought, by the Calgary Flames. Of course, they were dictating the way the game went, uh, and ultimately the final shots are 41 to 20, so they outshoot them by a two to one margin. Uh, and interesting to hear Rick talking, just talk about, uh, you know, they had a game plan. They weren't able to stick to it because the Flames sort of forced the issue. And you look at, yes, I mean, a, a ton of power play time. And so the Canucks were forced to kill, and that does alter the way that the head coach wants to run his bench. But at even strength, like it wasn't like the Flames dominated the shot clock on the power play. They had nine of their 40 shots on the power play, uh, but at even strength. 
I mean, you know, they controlled two-thirds of the shots and the shot attempts and everything else. And yet the high dangers were surprisingly close and the expected goals at even strength were fairly close as well. So, uh, and I, I guess that tells you that the Canucks, for the most part, uh, gave up shots, but maybe kept the flames yeah. uh, to the perimeter. Yeah. Um, because when I look through my notes, like usually on a night like that, when the shots are that heavy, we talked about a couple of the saves that Demko made, but it didn't feel to me like Thatcher Demko was in a shooting gallery all night long, even though the shot total would suggest otherwise. Well, not only that, too, like I, I mentioned earlier, like they just seemed to whiff yeah. on hiding. Like they had a couple of great A chances that they either just whiffed on or just completely zinged it by the net. And you're just like, wow, like I mean, you're Daryl Sutter, you're just... Banging her head against the wall. Uh, here's Talkett, though, when he was asked about uh, the explanation, whether he got any further explanation uh, from the referees on the PD call. I love Kelly Sutherland and, and, and uh, Paul. They're good refs. I don't know if they even realize what happened. I, I, I don't know. It's. I thought a linesman can only blow the whistle if it's a double minor. And uh, I thought Petey's stick got kind of flipped up. It was kind of a hit him on the ear. It wasn't I, I I think you have to blow the whistle if it's a major or, or, or a double minor or something egregious. I didn't see that. I mean, Kuzi got hit in the head with a puck, and he he had to come off as an own. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. I, I still don't understand that. I'll, I'll, I'll get the answer, I think, from the league. Yeah, I don't know what the Kuzi getting hit by the puck, uh, what that had to do with anything, but he's. I think he's right there. But you mentioned it off the top of the show. like, And also, too, like, why just a double minor? for um a linesman to call because if it is a missed high stick it's a missed high stick right so they're gonna have to do something to tweak this rule because like plays like that tonight uh you know i mean if it doesn't get called it's probably what works out well for the canucks and they, and they get the right call uh the referees do but the flames don't and they don't get that opportunity and you know, again, like it could have went the other way. It could have been uh, Patterson that flipped up the stick, and it, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, so they got to get this right at some point. Is the point I'm trying to make here? And I do agree that they, yeah, they do have to do either a challenge or maybe it is one of those ones where, like a goal, where you just hear that, you know, from Toronto, and they're like, nope, we saw something. This is the right call because ultimately they got to get it right. We've seen it in other leagues, right? NBA when it comes to. Uh, out of bounds, like they get that stuff right. That stuff is key, and that could be key in a playoff game in the NHL as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's sort of the instructive part of all of this, that ultimately, you know, the Calgary Flames win the hockey game, and they get two points, and it keeps them in the playoff race. The fact that the Canucks didn't get the bonus point, or or even the two points if they had been able to hold on in regulation, like, you know, that doesn't matter. So the stakes in this game weren't so high, but you're right. There is a whole lot of high-level hockey just around the corner here when the postseason begins. You'd hate to see that kind of call yeah. impact the outcome of a game either way. You know, a tight game, late stages, just get it right. Well, Aiden McDonough got it right. He got his first goal. He was asked about it post-game. It was great. Um, obviously, you dream about scoring that uh, in the driveway or in the backyard your whole life. And, um, you know, to get one there was, was pretty special. Yeah, it was very special, but how many guys have scored their first NHL goal with one of their best friends since the first grade on the ice? Like, just an unbelievable moment. And it was the first thing I noticed. Like, there's Jack Rathbone right there in the celebration. Yeah, no, I mean, just uh, again, they had that photo uh, during warm up the other night. The fact that yeah. Jack Rathbone was up and playing in 
you know, Aiden McDonough's NHL debut. That was a cool story. The fact that Rathbone got the emergency recall, he's back and and then on the ice and is the first guy to congratulate. Like, again, they, that's storybook stuff. And the, those are memories that those guys will have, you know, they'll be sitting on rocking chairs on the front porch when they're 80 years old and they'll be able to, to relive that. I mean, I hope for both of their sakes that there's a lot more of that to come here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that just, again, but like, too- think about that, J. Pat, you put that photo on your wall, you know, it's, it, and it, there's you and your best friend. I, I yeah, just, it's no, such it's, a great story. It really is. And, and, uh, you know, I try to watch McDonough again. I watched him pretty closely on television, but this was my first time with my own eyes in an NHL game. So I'm at development camp. Mm. Uh, you know, I, the skating is what I, I'm trying to figure out. Like there's been a lot of people that say, oh, that's the weakness that's going to hold him back. You know, through a television viewing in Chicago and then this game here, I, I think he's able to keep up, at least so far. Uh, and there are faster teams in the NHL, and and so maybe there'll be some nights where it's a little more noticeable. Uh, but I have like he doesn't look like he's laboring out there. He seems to get where he needs to go. Uh, the thing I thought was kind of interesting, and we've seen this from McTockett and other coaches as well with young guys, Aiden McDonough scored. He had three shifts the rest of the way, and his goal came 12 minutes into the second period. So basically halfway through the hockey game, he only had three shifts after that. And that wasn't a knock on him. It was tight game, tied game, one goal lead, third period, special teams, and the coach got him two shifts. He played uh, 29 seconds of the final 13 and a half minutes of the hockey game. So uh, still a night he'll never forget. Wouldn't you know if he only had one shift and he scored on it, uh, it would still be deemed a massive success for the guy. He's playing in the NHL and he's scoring in the NHL, uh, but it was just kind of interesting to look at the utilization of this player after he cashed in and gave the Canucks a three-two lead. And he had his best friend on the ice. He was asked about that post game. Yeah, that was that was pretty pretty special. I think uh, I think his smile uh, and excitement was even more than mine. I think he was more happy than I was. Uh, just I was a little shocked, and he was fired up. So, um, yeah, I just can, can remember playing street hockey. His dad would play goalie all the time um, in, his, in his driveway in Russ Roxbury. His dad was a good goalie. So, um, you know, to have that come true and to have him be on the ice and the first one to hug me was pretty special. How does his dad? That's that. awesome. <laughs> his dad was a pretty good goalie. <laughs> Uh, great stuff. He's no Jacob Markstrom, but yeah. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> it prepared me for that very moment in time. Some nights I think the Flames probably wanted Mr. Rathbone in net this year. <laughs> uh, let's hear from Rick Tockett on McDonough's goal. Great goal, obviously. And he actually had a couple of good shifts, and I couldn't get him out there because of the penalties and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to get him a goal. I mean, he almost got one in Chicago. He can, he, You know, he's a scorer. I like that last part. He's a scorer. But I think Rick Tockett, too, again, these guys that Tockett sees in his mold a little bit, right? Guys that want to get dirty, want to go to those dirty areas, want to go to the net, want to you know get those, uh, keep that stick on the ice, be able to get those uh, goals that just sort of fall on your on your stick because you're in the right position. Like uh, Guys like that, that's Rick Tockett's game right there. So you know that he's going to love that from Aiden McDonough. Yeah, and it'll be uh, noteworthy to see how much uh, more he plays here, seven games to go. I, I don't know that he stays in the lineup. Uh, still unclear about uh, Pud Colson and the, you know, his, his health and well-being and, and where he is. We were led to believe it wasn't a serious injury, but he's missed three games now. Uh, Kraftsoff was a healthy scratch, so that's going to have to be a decision. Oh, you know, I'll it, put McDonough in over Kraftsoff. I, I hear you, I, and I would too. And certainly him scoring, I think, is going to boost it. Guess what? McDonough has a goal. Yeah. Grafstoff doesn't as a member of the Vancouver Canucks, and one guy's played a whole lot more than the other. Uh, but I just I don't know that anything changes with their plan for this guy. Um, 
in terms of how they're going to use him, how many games they're going to get him into. Uh, he's played a home game. He's played a road game now. Uh, there's nowhere else for him to play. Uh, and I know that they wanted to give him the home ice experience. I, I hope on a, you know, there's four more games on the homestand. I, I would imagine that we'll, we'll see him some more. All right. The uh, Canucks, of course, the last couple of games are bleeding goals just a little bit in yeah. six, five OT loss and a five, four OT loss consecutively. The head coach asked if, you know, maybe the structure is slipping a little bit. I, I don't know if it's a structure thing. We a little more battle, you know, we got to win a little bit more battles. Some guys, they got to get a little more grittier and, in situations, you know, when you're going to play in a playoff game, there's some battles that you got to win. You got to get that puck out, or you got to stop that cycle. Uh, we're not there yet, and um, you know, we got to get to that level, um, and that's getting stronger, uh, anticipating a little bit, and, 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 and beating pressure with pressure. We'll get there, but um, hey, listen, another you know another point against a desperate team. Yeah, I mean, listen, Rick Target knows what it takes to win, and that's league. Right. And although the league has changed since he was a player, those hardworking guys are, you know, generally the guys that get it done in this league. And of course, you need skill as well. But just that whole, you know, everything that he's been preaching here, you know, the players are starting to buy into it a little bit. But also, too, I think it comes down to personnel, really. And I, and, and that's going to be the big key to this summer, as I bring up the summer again with Rick Tockett, is not only the workouts that are going to have to be, you know, tough, the personnel, like sort of getting the right pieces is going to be so key, especially when it comes to this head coach, because he knows exactly what he wants from a specific player. Yeah. And I, I think too, like we learned earlier today that Philip Ronick's done for the year. Yeah. So seven games now remaining. Uh, does that mean that Jack Rathbone stays up on the emergency recall? Is Christian Willannon going to get back at some point? It sounds like Noah Juleson's done. Uh, whatever the case, it's going to be more of a patchwork. And for a while there, they were kind of looking and waiting to Philip Ronick and, okay, we're going to have a look at, you know, Quinn Hughes, and now we'll have a guy that can sort of anchor his own pair, a second pairing. Well, that's gone for the remainder of this season. So, you know, can we expect a little bit more slippage in terms of the defense because they're continuing to run uh, with two and three American Hockey League guys. Kyle Burroughs has become an every-night guy here of late, but – you know, for the first 60 games, he only played half of them. Um, and so just keep that in mind. And the other thing, too, is Calgary was desperate. Guess what? L.A.'s coming in here on Sunday. They're in a battle for uh, still for the division lead. But more importantly, I think for them, it's home ice in the opening round. They're in Seattle on Saturday. That's a massive game. So we'll see what they have left and how much that takes out of uh, the Kings. And then the Canucks get L.A. on the back end of back-to-backs. But still, like, that's a good L.A. team. Uh, we saw what they did to the Canucks. So, I mean, they basically did the same sort of shot total that Calgary did here tonight a couple of weeks ago down at Crypto.com. Then you've got Seattle coming in on Tuesday. So these are all great evaluation tools for Rick Tockett to see who measures up against these teams that are playing for keeps right now. And the Calgary Flames were playing for keeps, and ultimately uh, they got what they were looking for, and that was the two points at the end of the night. They had to work a little bit of overtime. Again, single point, eh. Um, you know, the Canucks have caught the Detroit Red Wings again. Uh, but by virtue of the fact they didn't get the second point that was available to them, they remain a point behind the St. Louis Blues. But, you know, that's musical chairs. Those teams are all going to kind of jockey here uh, down the stretch with uh, 10 days to go in the regular season. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, uh, yeah, I'm just kind of curious uh, again you know, tonight post game wasn't the time to get some injury updates, but I don't know about Pod Colson. I don't know about Willannon. We'll see if uh, you know who's available ultimately to Rick Tockett over the course of these final seven games. 
The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, time for now for my Bodog best bet. I didn't hit it. Both teams to score. First period, I said yes. Didn't hit that. Uh, All the scoring really was afterwards, if you will. But uh, I do want to say congratulations to Daniel on Twitter. Check this out, J-Pat. He guessed uh, the game-winning goal at 3.30 of overtime. Wow. The game-winning goal was at 3.27 of overtime. Nice so time. congratulations to Daniel. Uh, you took home $50 in Bodog uh, Bucks. Game in a hashtag is presented by Delaney's OK Tire out on Fraser Highway in Langley. We'll start with Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen, who says hashtag flamed out. Liz says hashtag... Damn you, Tyler. And then also follows it up with a hashtag refgate. Uh, Justin says hashtag burned by your exes. Johnny Canuck says guess uh, hashtag guess who? Yeah, that's right. Paul says hashtag officiating. See, I told you it was coming. Peter yep. said hashtag ripped off. Uh, the observer just put a gif of Paul Maurice. And I, I think if you saw the Leafs and Panthers game the other night, uh, he had ah, some, yes. uh, he had some <laughs> words for the referees. So that's the gif she used. Uh, can, I mean, it works here. Uh, Caro says, uh, hashtag ref strike again. Nelson says, hashtag worst call ever. Marcus says, hashtag Troy from Richmond. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Glenn says, hashtag high shticked. Worst, worst call ever. 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 Okay. Uh, Farmer Josh says, hashtag two tuck foley. Say that one slowly. Yes. Uh, and Sean says, hashtag chaos giraffe. Yeah. They, there was a little bit of chaos going on between uh, him and yes, uh, Breezebois tonight. <laughs> you know, we talked about, uh, patchwork defense earlier. Uh, we didn't, let's point the finger. That was a tough night for both Guillaume Breezebois and Tyler Myers on for the first two Calgary goals, uh, just got their signals crossed yeah. on to Foley's goal. I mean, that was nice passing the give and go with Mangiapane, but, uh, there are defenders out there who are supposed to be defending and, uh, there was not a lot of resistance there. Uh, Backlund made the nice pass to Coleman on the, on the two, two goal. And then it was Myers that got flagged for the penalty shot as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I know Myers got an assist with the outlet pass on the Beauvillier goal, but, uh, uh you look at the underlying numbers, not pretty for Guillaume Brisebois and Tyler Myers. Again, when you get out shot the way the Canucks did, uh, there being a lot of guys that uh, aren't painted with a particularly pretty brush, but uh, as defensive pairings go, Guillaume uh, Brisebois, the shots were 13 to 2 at even strength for the Flames, and he was on the ice for three uh, goals against. So that's a tough night at the office for Guillaume Brisebois. We'll wrap up the uh, game in a hashtags with Ty, who says hashtag McDunnit. I like that one. Not bad. Well Not done. bad. Uh, Asked JPAD here. Yeah, I asked you about that from Tyrone. Uh, when are we uh, going to see high sticking calls challenged by review? That's a great question, Tyrone. And and I think that is something that is going to come up here. Uh, did they talk about that at the uh, with the general manager's meeting? I don't think that came up. No. Let me think about it. No. 
Uh, Paul states that the Canucks had seven times more shots in the overtime than they had in the entire <laughs> third period. Not a question. Just wanted to state that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the shot total for the Vancouver Canucks by period was six, six, two, six. So... <laughs> <laughs> they had six shots in overtime, and that's when Jacob Markson was at his best. He wasn't a, a banner 60 minutes for him, but uh, boy, Marky was up to the challenge uh, in OT. Okay, Nuck and Futz asked this. I know the answer to it, but it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Do media members get fined like coaches do for calling out NHL officiating? Uh, no. No. Of no, course not. Free speech, well, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, I suppose if somebody went so overboard, you might get a, a phone call from the league asking, like, what's going on? What, what, like, you know, Settle down a bit. But yeah. no, I mean, it's, uh, it's free speech. You can pretty much say what you want. Are you surprised, though, like the fact that this is essentially a nothing game for the Canucks? The, the tankists really kind of got what they – somewhat wanted tonight maybe they didn't want that point like are you surprised by the reaction of so many people pissed off about the refereeing yeah because i just didn't think that that many people cared game 75 of the regular season i thought many people had checked out essentially um so it's hard to figure out sort of you know which way the wind is blowing for many in the fan base like do you want them to lose or are you getting worked up when the Flames get a late power play and ultimately score and and then beat the Vancouver Canucks? So I don't know. Uh, there's a, a you know Sunday's another night and we'll see how things shake out. But uh, ultimately for the Vancouver Canucks, you know at this stage of the season, it, it really isn't about the score and the points in the standings. It is uh, as cliche as it sounds the the process and look they got worked. They got worked by a desperate Calgary team. Uh, now, the Flames outshoot almost everybody, right? Like, that's been part of their story all season is how many times they've outshot opponents by 10 or more and ended up losing and all that kind of stuff. So they've played a lot of these games. They haven't come out on the right end of a lot of these games. But if you were the Flames and you scored four on the road at this stage of the season with your playoff fate hanging in the balance and you didn't win, yeah, like, you would be kicking yourself. And so ultimately, Tyler Toffoli made sure uh, that they got the extra point. Well, Tyler Toffoli definitely did yeah. something in this game. Could he be your dig something candidate presented by Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage? He's such a smooth operator and always has been. Just makes sports look easy. Yeah. 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 And um, he definitely did something for the Calgary Flames. And he's been doing an awful lot all season long. And they're going to need him to do that. And Huberto, who hasn't done as much as I think people wanted and expected, he certainly did something as well. But we generally keep it to the Canucks. And, and if somebody did something on... On their side of the ledger, and Aiden McDonough definitely did. Uh, A night he'll never forget. His first in the National Hockey League. Nobody can take it away from him. And as you said, it was a pretty goal. It wasn't a fumble, stumble, bouncing off uh, shin pads and that kind of stuff. It was good hard work that led to the opportunity. And he was there, and you know he can make a living at this level, planted on the doorstep. He's a big body that's going to be difficult to move. And so uh, the first of what I'm sure he and the hockey club are hoping is many at this level, but he's got one, and uh, good on him. So he absolutely did something. Unfortunately for his hockey club, uh, they feel the burn on a night like tonight. They lose 5-4 to four in overtime. So there's your hashtag, is feel the burn. And we'll see if the Canucks can return the favor when the Flames are here. Next Saturday, Calgary has now beaten the Canucks twice, and the Canucks were winners in a shootout in Cowtown in the first meeting of the season. So... The Canucks have picked up three points. Calgary 
has picked up five in the season series. And, of course, for the Flames, they're just trying to pack away as many points as they can right now in the Western Conference standings. But hashtag feel the burn to get in on that $25 gift card to the Dutch. And as always, do something, a presentation of our mortgage broker friend, Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. And Jason always tells you to have a plan. I'm not sure that there was much of a plan. We're talking, talking about a game plan, but the plan kind of went out the window there midway through the second period when it was just, you know, scattergun shots and goals yeah. going in all over the place. So don't take that approach. If you're looking for a mortgage or your mortgage is up for a renewal, have a plan. Make sure you know what you're looking for. Have all the information and Look, if uh, you don't have all the info, Jason Homina can help there. That's what he does. He's been doing this for 30 years. Uh, he's been successful at it for the better part of three decades as well. So get him on your side. He can save you money. Reach out at jason.mortgage. Send that hashtag, fuel the burn, into the Go Goat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680. And yeah, that'll get you into that draw to win $25 to BC's Best Breakfast. Check them out at thedutch.com. Before we get out of here, J-Pat, I just want to reach out to the Rinkwide listeners and just let everybody know that, you know, here at Rinkwide, like we appreciate everybody. We doesn't matter what background you are from, uh, race, gender, sexuality, any of that. We love everybody that listens to the show here. And I want to applaud the players that wore the pride jersey tonight on the uh, pride celebrations that the Canucks held at Rogers Arena. I know that there was a lot of focus on Andre Kuzmenko, and you can feel how you want about uh, Andre Kuzmenko's decision. I'm going to leave that up to Andre Kuzmenko himself. I know he did talk post game uh, about it, but, you know, listen, we focus in on the negative too much, I find at times, and there was a lot of positive, I think, and a lot of outpouring of support there tonight at Rogers Arena. So kudos to the players that did take uh, a moment to, you know, make hockey for everybody. Cause really that's what it is. It is for everybody. And at times I don't think um, others feel that way. So here at Rinkwad, I don't know if I can speak for you, but I'd like to, I'd like to say that we appreciate everybody and everybody is included uh, when it comes to listening to this podcast. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Just, it was pride night and yes, the Kuzmenko announcement earlier in the day overshadowed it somewhat, but you're right. I mean, there were 17 skaters and two goaltenders that did wear the the pride jersey in the warm up. It looked spectacular. Uh, the organization did a nice job from the plaza, the party on the plaza, and all of the in game events as well. So yes, Kuzmenko made his decision, uh, but you're right. And you know, the National Hockey League has said, like, sure, there are going to be some incidences along the way, but let's not lose sight of the fact that an overwhelming majority of these players when given the choice. Now, some of the teams took the choice out of their hands, and I certainly am not in favor of that. Uh, the ones that wanted to wear the pride jersey and warm up and support the cause, uh, you know, they were allowed to here in Vancouver. And so, uh, yep, salute them, salute the organization for having what looked like a successful pride night. People seemed to be having fun. There was good energy in the building, and obviously it turned out to be an entertaining hockey game. So lots going on. There were lots of Flame fans in attendance. They end up going home happy, but, uh, you know, if you paid your money on a Friday night, uh, again, I, I just think uh, you want to be entertained. And I would think most people that left Rogers Arena tonight feel that way. Yep. 5-4 overtime loss. The Canucks uh, losing to Calgary, who are still fighting for that playoff lives right now. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog for Jeff Patterson. I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rinkwide is the show that always goes.